Welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. This week's episode is Super Drones. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and let me introduce to you our guest, Professor Tony Dyson. Hi, everybody. Hi, hi, hi. And when it comes to robot technicians, Tony's quite unique, as well as building one of the most famous robots ever, R2-D2, and you'd kind of have to be hiding under a rock not to know who that is. He has also designed and built robots for some of the largest electronic companies in the world. For example, Sony, Philips, and Toshiba. So I think I'd like to, like, you know, uh, you know launch right in here, Tony. How did you uh, first become involved with robotics? Well... It's a, good, it's a good question, actually. Uh, accidentally, because I wanted to work in the studio, um, I didn't have ideas of working in special effects, which is, of course, what I ended up doing. Um, I was really thinking about anything, because my mother got me weaned on films when I was very, very young. And I used to go, oh, oh God, I want to work in films, I want to work in films, like millions of people around the world. Um, and so I kept on trying to come up with something to get me into the studio. And what happened is I just pushed, pushed, pushed. And at the end, I got a break. I, was, I knew that Alien would be made at a studio in the UK um, called Bray. And I rang them up uh, for three days running. And they felt sorry for me. And they put me through to a division doing special effects. And they said to me, have you got a green card? And I said, nope. And uh, I said, how do you get one? He said, you work on a film. I said, how do I work on a film? He said, you have to have a green card. <laughs> Great stuff, eh? Yes, so anyway, yes. that's, that's how it went. And I got there. I did uh, James Bond, Moonraker, one of my first films I worked on. Uh, I had my own studio outside of the, uh, the film studio. And the second film I worked on was, uh, guess what? Star Wars. That's interesting. You know, I mean... Um... And I was kind of uh, was going to ask you how the, the that connection came about, and it's uh, very interesting. I mean, I remember the uh, the movie itself. You know, when it came out, I was pretty young, but uh, of course you were, of course you were, sir. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but, uh, we'll nice plug. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I still got the T-shirt. You know, but uh, <laughs> kept it all these years. My mom kept trying to throw it away. But anyway, um, so it just you kind of kind of stumbled across the Star Wars thing. Uh, you know, I mean. Tell us a little about how you fell into that. Well, uh, I was but at the time I was making a rocking horse, a large rocking horse of uh, fiberglass, and it was a close, it's called a closed mold. This means that it's empty in the middle, and you actually mold the bits together and put them together. And it's a very difficult uh, process to do, a closed mold. And people at the studio were very impressed. My first rocking horse, actually, I sold to uh, Brian Johnson, who was a special effects guy. He was working on Space 1999, Alien, and a few other things down there. Uh, and he bought my rocking horse and said, look, if I ever get something, uh, and he was working with uh, John Sears at the time, um, I will tell you. And that's what came up. Um, George Lucas came to the UK to build, uh, to make the film, the first Star Wars, well, actually, what, seven Five Star Wars. Uh, most of them are made down there, but now people know that. They didn't know that in the past. And they showed me the idea uh, of a robot, uh, which turned out, of course, to be R2-D2, and said, can you make this? Because it had to be very strong to carry the motors and the batteries and, and all the stuff that goes along with it. And I could use my technique, my uh, closed mold technique. Uh, and that's how I got it. I showed it to my pattern makers, because we were making industrial um, patterns as well, 
for Foden Trucks and people like that at the time in my studio. And they went, no, nope, no, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're going away now. And they all walked out on me. I'm not joking you. They did actually walk out because it's a very complicated robot. I mean, too complicated. It should never be that complicated. But it was the way that they wanted it to be. Um, anyway, at the end, I coaxed them to come back in again. And after the film, uh, I decided robots was the thing to get into. Because everybody, you know, 3CPO, the golden android, uh, his buddy. Well, that was a, a suit with a, an actor inside. And I thought, I can make that without the actor. And that's exactly what I did. In actual fact, I formed a company called Androids Limited. And I built uh, the Philips robot, Android, which was remote controlled and computerized, proper robot. And I sold it to the Philips Corporation for their commercials. Interesting. And that, from there on, I just kept on making robots. But you, so you weren't afraid of the Screen Actors Guild Union goons coming over? <laughs> they didn't actually bother me because I was outside the studio. Oh, okay, good. good that was, that the, was the whole point. I, I was trying to make, because we haven't got much time, I was trying to make it a short abbreviation of my storyline. Oh, yeah. But uh, that was the secret. I could do it without having to have a green card at the time. I got a green card later on. Well, because funny. I'd worked on a film, so I could apply, right? <laughs> I could see the good. I, I didn't need... Coming over, you're, you're taking jobs from union uh, actors making these robots. But uh, <laughs> yes. uh, it's pretty interesting. So, uh, you know, okay, so you came into that. And uh, how close to the idea was it, uh, what you created? How close to the idea um, was it that they brought you? Was it pretty close or did you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to make these changes to make all of this work. Yeah, there was a lot of changes, uh, especially on the inside of the legs or the arms, if we want to call them. Um, they were way too complicated. Not too complicated to actually do, given time and money, but it was a very small budget, and I had a very small amount of time to do eight robots and the moles. Right, yeah, I've always say that, you know, if it's, uh, nothing's impossible if you throw enough money at it. <laughs> exactly, and that's exactly how the film industry works. You give me more money... I get more studios, I get more men, and we're working all-nighters as well, by the way. We had two shifts. I had a uh, day staff and night staff working on R2-D2. That's interesting. Well, and it's kind of funny, too, you're talking about, uh, you know, the patent people uh, walking out, and, and that's, like, one of the last things I wanted to touch on. When you were first approached about, like, this movie and the concept and things were, were, were happening... Um, you know, I know when I first went to see it, people were kind of like, yeah, there's this movie, there's this thing, and it's this, this war movie in space or something, and nobody really kind of understood the concept, but we all sat there mouth agape. What was your take on, on this being part of it and, and kind of uh, being able to have an insider's view of it? Um, it wasn't as strange as it would have been to you, let's say, because I'd just been working on Alien. And you know what Alien turned out to be? Mm -hmm. um, Space 99 was a little bit similar. That was from uh, uh, a Muppet kind of puppet show. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't actually a puppet show, but it was from the makers of it. Um, and so that was also a little bit way out. That was a space uh, station on the moon, broke away from Earth. So that was, again, a little bit comic-like, you know, comic uh, time. I was into DC Comics as well, by the way. I've always collected them. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, uh, it wasn't that strange. Uh, and also they split up the film around three studios. So to get the total picture, you really had to be the director. You know, we could see the spaceships 
and of course the robots, and I worked on a couple of the other robots on the film as well. But uh, we were so engrossed in making it work, you know, the way that George wanted it. Um, we didn't get much chance to see too much else. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. So you just kind of approached it as a section of a job that you were contracted to do, and you just performed that uh, that job without too much, uh, let's say, thought in the, in the overall picture, I guess. No, yeah, he gave me the script of the scenes that were necessary. He told me about all, all the interactions of the actors and who they were. I mean, I had the basic idea of the rebels and the Empire and everything else, of course, because we had the script for that. But uh, to actually see it visually... You know, that was more to do with having to be there. Also, remember, he rewrote, George rewrote it as he went along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did it, was it, uh, there multiple redesigns on your, uh, on your product, or do you pretty much said, hey, here, we, here you are, we, we, this is what we came up with? No, they never changed anything, actually. Really? They, gave the, no, they gave me the basic ideas and drawings. Uh, we turned those to blueprints, uh, and then we just produced it. All right, nailed it, Chet. Well, that's that's excellent. Well, and yeah. I and I like the uh, you know I mean of course you know all of us are uh, robotics and all the rest of us. We love all that stuff, and I'm glad that we got to a little bit of time to hear some insight on that history. Uh, they're making, okay. They're, you know they're making some more movies, I guess, and uh, we'll probably yep. see more of your creation. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, we're all looking forward to that. Um, so, you know, you're still into r- robots, and as the title of the podcast would ju- suggest, you're interested in uh, other robots now. Yeah, I, I always have been, actually. Um, as I told you just then, I actually worked on uh, the Philips Android. I got an Emmy nomination for the uh, Sony robot, uh, Toshiba robot, and quite a few more You know, I haven't listed. So I've never gone off robots. Um, I've worked as a consultant on robotics. Really, for the last 30 years, I've been involved with robotics. Uh, now, I'm incredibly fascinated with drones, because they are the last frontier of the cowboy. Um, wow. Well, it's, it's funny that you got caught up in it. I mean, I, you know, it is, it's a very, um, you know, let's say, passionate uh, niche or sector. And, um, you know, a lot of us are, you know, been doing this, and we're like, oh, wow, you know, and the, the dream of flying and all the rest of that. But, uh, you know, the title of this um, podcast is Super Drones, and you would, it suggested that you were into Super Drones. And when we're talking about Super Drones, what, what, what do you see? Is it a complexity thing, a size thing, or a capability thing? It's a capability thing. Um, there's two sides to it, in actual fact. One, I'm publishing uh, a, a very special and different kind of directory for robots. It's called 21 Amazing Robots. And the first Kindle directory will be about drones. Now, no one's ever done this before. And I've, I've actually brought it forward because I know there's so many of the public want to know what's really uh, at the edge of science. And they don't always do the searching on the web. And so to bring that in for any age, but mostly for STEM, because I'm very involved in educational programs in America and in Australia, um, so it will be very good for the students to get involved with robotics by using this system. So that's my first thing I'm publishing very, very soon, in actual fact. Um, and I think as a directory, it's going to be very unique. I think we need to have you know, a choice of seeing 21 of the best ones out there. That's one side of it. The other side is I'm putting together a think tank 
where we can actually work out a better design on the drones and more uses for them. Because I've already found four uses which no one's actually producing them for. Hmm. So that's pretty exciting. It's, it's a great challenge, you know, because it's just a matter of thinking outside the box, which is something I love doing. Yes, outside of the mold. Well, you know, yep. it's interesting that you say that because, uh, you know, people talk about, I, I, you know, talk to people from all over the world now, including yourself, about drones and hear lots of different applications that mm. uh, no one has really thought about. You know, I've, I had one guy who was a uh, undertaker who wants to get out of that business. And he asked me, he says, well, you know, what, what businesses do you think um, that these things can, can augment? And I said, well, really, almost all of them, except possibly yours. <laughs> but uh, besides that although I did have another idea for him too but we won't go into that now um, <laughs> you know anyway the uh, I don't think that we're going to fully realize what these can do and robotics and, and unmanned systems can do for us until there's let's say widespread uh, regulatory framework um, I, I believe that uh, robots are going to do more work for us in the future and the flying ones will do also do a lot of uh, work for us in the future Mm, like lovely. you now i notice you uh, you uh your stem or steam advocate yes stem or steam i mean i i, I uh put the a in in the stem and steam because well, i believe that's that. yeah exactly you're right the a should be in there shouldn't it for well for art you know i yep. definitely yep. believe uh you know i talk about stem and you know that's good but i always think that uh the art part of it is the design part and there's yep. those people that use that side of their brain who come up with a design that is also appealing, kind of like the, the, the you know, almost the R2-D2 model. You know, it could be a hunk of something or it can have a personality and a design that fits that personality. Yes, you know? I agree with you. Well, I, I actually you. have that on my side as well. I'm sorry, I have that on my side as well. But the reason why I always say STEM is because that's the one the government's been pushing so much. Yeah, and well, if you say, you know... They lack uh, imagination. <laughs> I'm I, glad it's your country, not mine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I want to believe. But anyway, that's another that's another podcast. But the steam thing is good. And, uh, you know, that's another thing that I really like about uh, the robotics and uh, the technology now is, is it's not, let's say, um, fixed in one country. You can live anywhere and the technology is available to you. And, yes. and, and that uh, opportunity is available to you. So, yeah. I think we're in, uh, you know, we're in the same, probably the same choir here. But, uh, you know, so okay, are you, uh, are are you building any drones yourself? Or? Yes. Well, as I said, I'm putting together this thinking to think tank to actually solve some of the problems on them. Uh, robotics, we know robotics is the in thing. We've known that for quite a few mm -hmm. few years. Uh, the public got promised them in the 80s. Um, in the 80s, I was actually building robotic arms for schools right back then, mm -hmm. it was very fashionable in the UK um, to come out with robotic arms. We had the exact same problem in the UK as you had in America later, you had it more in the 90s, where teachers were totally unfamiliar with the science. So you could make an arm, it could be sold to the school, um, or a number of them, um, but the teachers would basically back off. Now that happened in America in the 90s, 95, where they couldn't push robotics at all in the schools. And most of the uh, teachers came out in a bit of a strike and said, look, if you don't train us, we're not going to do it. 
Mm-hmm. So the government came out with a ton of money to send all the teachers to training school or courses on robotics. Uh, that was about, I think that was about 98, probably around about then. And again, later on in 2000. Um, and that's always been holding back. So we've had ups and downs of robotics being in fashion. Um, the other side of it, of course, is that the media promised we'd have a robot in every home by 2000. And of course, that never happened. Um, um, and so the public are sort of going, yeah, yeah, right. The problem with the public, it's getting clear now, but the problem for the public, I should say, is that they're confused. They see all these fantastic robots in films. They believe them because the films are so well-adjusted and well-put-together um, and written. Um, and then they believe there's much better robots around than there was. So when they see a real robot, they come along and go, well, not that good, is it? You know, I mean, I've had that said to me so many times, because I've built quite a few robots, by the way. Uh, and they'll say, no, 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 that's not as good as the so-and-so film. And I'm going, it's a film, it was a film. <laughs> so, you know, we've had this confusion for the last 15 years. Now, everything's caught up. And it's incredibly exciting because you can do so much more. And, and another thing I tell you what's really fantastic is that in the films, you don't see the drones. And that's really capturing the public's imagination because there they are, guided by films, sci-fi films, and they never were there. Now, in real life, we've got something that never existed in the movies. Well, it is an interesting thing. And, and uh, you know, all over the world, I talk to people all over the world, they go all over the world, and it's interesting to get people's takes on drones and the different people. And really, this was kind of a, people were thinking of it as kind of negative and military, but, man, we are just leaving that in the dust. And I've always been a commercial drone guy. I mean, I've been at this for about 12-plus years, and I've always said, man, this is a great promise self-guided data collection, whatever else. Um, yep. and, and it's starting to change. And now, you know, I was saying that the other day, I walk over to the field and fly my drone and people used to pay never mind to me. Now everybody, hey, housewives, you know, kids, old people want to see the drone and see me fly it and all the rest of that. There is an excitement in robotics. And I think that unmanned systems are going to be more and more of our future. I know I'm waiting. I've got a bunch of menial jobs that I'm waiting for these robots to do. So get cracking, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. But I'll tell you something interesting, Patrick. One very interesting thing. To get people to even understand about the robots. I saw uh, a zombie TV movie mm. recently. And there's a little robot driving around. And one guy turned around and said, oh, it's a sweet little robot. He said, yeah, it's like a drone, but it goes on the land. <laughs> right. He was referencing the other way around. Instead of saying a robot that flies, he was saying this little robot really is one, you know, it's exactly the same as a drone. And he went, oh, it's like a drone. Oh, right. Well, all of <laughs> so us share a lot of the uh, same similarities. I mean, I'm definitely, I will say that, uh, you know, people talk to me about this, and I've, I've been kind of... Um, proselytizing about this that the land sea air and space commercial space all share many of the same let's say um components hardware software firmware and yep. uh, i believe in all of them um i i think commercial space i got to be honest with you i mean i think uh arthur c clark and kubrick nailed it in uh, 2001 i mean we're not there yet you know, we, we aren't there yet, but there are people that are thinking about that commercial space and space, you know, yep. 
most of these systems are unmanned, you know? And my thing is, is, yeah, do you want to, you know, do you want to carry men into uh, space or do you want to carry payload? And I'm more about the payload and getting things done. Not that I wouldn't love to go to Mars uh, in my, you know, for vacation or something, but uh, it's currently a long trip and uh, I haven't figured out how to beat the radiation thing yet myself. So maybe that's <laughs> another thing you can work on. Um, yep. Okay, so yep. you're you're building and flying uh, stuff right now. Yeah, <laughs> simply because uh, the easiest way to explain is this: too many people that design even drones are looking at one particular aspect. Mm-hmm. You can actually make them modular. It is possible to get rid of the problems um, using white sound, make them uh, totally silent. Uh, you can mock them so you can't see them. Um, they're marvelous for the police force, of course, as you know. They can recognize if a, if a bandit's carrying a gun. Uh, they can do search and rescue with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can use them for sports. They follow you around all the time and film it. I mean, it's just fantastic. I saw a beautiful one the other day that actually checks out an aircraft to find out if it's got dents and the dents are, are dangerous, you know, for, for passengers. Um, and it goes on and on like that. All we need to do is to make the batteries better, lighter, longer flying time. Uh, more efficient on the motors, and especially the prop. The props need redesigning, which we're doing at the moment. Um, and also got an automatic picking up of batteries, so it can come down, swap over with another drone, pick up its battery, and then swap over places, and so on. Uh, there's so much improvement can come, even though you... I mean, I saw a film you were made around the exhibitions, and you look at them. It's a bit like a sweet shop. You walk around, you say, oh, I want that little bit from that uh, robot. I want that little bit from that robot. I could see your face thinking, oh, I could do with that, but I'd like to have that one over there as well. Uh, And I'm exactly the same. And so that's why I said, I said to myself, "Mm -mm, we need a robot. We need a drone that's got that, 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 and that all in one. This is the time to do it because we can put more sensors than we're actually seeing at the moment, or because the cameras are so brilliant. Um, and transmission is so, you know, fantastic. I mean, the first Harry Potter films were actually using a drone mm-hmm. to follow the car when they were flying. That's from years back. Mm-hmm. Um, the batteries and the motor, it's basically batteries, the batteries, the motors, um, and the, the camera. They're the, the three things that made drones happen. But there's so much more can be improved. And so that's what I'm really into at the moment. And I think it's going to be the area where robotics should really take off. Seriously, I'm not joking. Um, it's the biggest area going in robotics. And it's not going to lower. It's not going to lose its impulse. It's going to grow much, much bigger. When people get their imagination going. I mean, if we can get licenses to tape them up in the air. <laughs> well, I concur with you, uh, everything you just said. I, I, I am a firm believer in that. And I do. I get excited. I'm passionate about it. And I do see these and I'm like, wow, that's cool. This is good. Yada, yada. We go on and on. Um, now, <clears throat> you know, if I did impersonations well, I would probably do a Peter Laurie or maybe a Sydney Greenstreet for suggestion for your company name. <laughs> but I don't do them very well. Do you have a, do you have a name for your company, the, this drone company of yours? Robot world. Robot world, huh? No, no, uh, no blackbird, no Maltese falcon. <laughs> you can't beat that one, can you? It's the top one. Oh, no, that one's good. So, um, you know, uh, the other thing then is, uh, do you currently have a website up where people can um, see and learn more about what you're doing? Or are you kind of are you kind of doing that uh, 
in the silo? Well, Robot World is being redesigned again because I used to have it for different kinds of robots, more to do with the film industry. Mm. Now I'm changing it. So it's a little bit dead on there, but they can go to robotworld.com. Uh, I think I've had that uh, domain name for about 20 years. And also, <laughs> I have actually. <laughs> and uh, 17 and a half. Uh, and they can come to tonydyson.com, where I have a bit of everything, robots, film work. Um, yeah, that's the place that they can come. But can always contact me at Tony Dyson, especially if they're involved in manufacturing drones, because I said I'm bringing out this uh, directory, 21 Amazing Robots. So I want people to come back to me. Well, yeah, well, you know, hopefully they'll uh, send over your way and look at what you're doing. And, you know, as one of the early adopters and a guy who's uh, had some experience in this field, it's uh, definitely a place to go. Now, the other thing, I don't know if you uh, get out to, uh, you know, California very often. But we are, uh, we do put on, the SUS News puts on a small unmanned systems business exposition. It's the Silicon Valley Drone Show. We'd love to have you come out if you want to come out and meet the, uh, let's say, the cream of the crop of the drone world. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> it's the end of April. I'll send you the information. Uh, you know, we'd love to have uh, guys like you, thinkers out here. This is, this is kind of uh, where the thinkers come and meet and talk and uh, share with people what they're doing and what this uh, technology can mean for the future and for the world okay so, yeah definitely and uh, interesting conversation i had a great time this is uh, one of the this, this is one of the fun ones this is uh something <laughs> that you uh when you when you do a pod- podcast you're like oh you know you gotta get these guys on here and talk and this one was really fun and i appreciate it thank you sir for coming on good luck in the future and i'm sure we'll be talking thank you very much patrick lovely talking to you ciao ciao bye-bye